which is good. So we're going to be talking about um, the tongue today. Oh boy, uh, it's going to be great. Um, we talked last week about how James, you know, we're working through this book of James, and we're talking last week about how James says your faith and belief in God has to match up with your, your works and your action. You need to have both of them working together, okay? And true to James' form, he goes right into something very practical that has to do with faith and action. Um, we say it all the time, uh, you need to walk the walk, right? You need to walk the talk. That's what we would say today. James puts it a little bit differently in, in the Bible, but he's basically saying uh, whatever you believe has to come out of your mouth, okay? Your heart comes out of your mouth. So a person can actually tell a lot about you by what you say. Wouldn't you think that is true? We make judgments about people. We, we think we know people because of what comes out of their mouth. Oftentimes, uh, what comes out of our mouth is what's truly in our heart. Um, what's really in the, in the deepest, darkest parts of us usually finds its way out of our mouth at some point. Um, in the English countryside, there's a, a gray tombstone, and I like the etching on the tombstone. It read this, beneath this stone, a lump of clay lies Arabella Young, who on the 24th of May began to hold her tongue. That was her death day. <laughs> so she was noted for what? Always talking. And we know people like that. If you're, you may be a person like that, somebody who's always talking. Um, I hope that we can learn a little bit through our, our study today about the balance of what's needed when we're taming our tongue, what happens when uh, we don't. Um, it'd be great if we listen to Jesus in this instance. James here, uh, he's a pastor, he's a church worker, and he knows that we need this advice. He's very practical. So let's look uh, at our scripture and just see uh, how he um, encourages us. James 3, the first 12 verses says, Let not many of you become teachers, my brothers, knowing that we, in such, we will incur a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to bridle the whole body as well. Now, if we put the bits into horses' mouths so that they obey us, we direct the entire body as well. He says, look at the ships. Um, though they are great and big, they're driven by strong winds. They are still directed by a very small rudder wherever the inclination of the pilot desires. So also is the tongue. It's a small part of the body, yet it boasts great things. See how great a forest fire is set aflame by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, the very world of iniquity. The tongue is set among our members as that which defiles the entire body and sets on fire the course of your life, and is set on fire by hell. For every species of beast and bird of reptiles, creatures of the sea, is tamed and has been tamed by the human race, but no one can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil. It's full of deadly poison. With it we bless the Lord our Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the likeness of God. 
From the same mouth come both blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be this way. Does a fountain send out the same opening, fresh and bitter water? No. Can a fig tree, my brothers, produce olives and figs? Nor salt water produce fresh water. So right off the bat, James says, does your belief match your actions? Well, let's get into something where uh, it's, a, it's a big, huge, simple illustration of what that means. Does your belief match what's coming out of your mouth? The tongue is a powerful thing. Um, as a wise sage observed, as you go through life, you're going to have many opportunities to keep your mouth shut. Take advantage of all of them. Um, we are a nation, a world of talkers, and oftentimes we talk um, so much that sometimes we even forget about what we're talking about. Um, I don't know if you watched the election results last night, but what do they do? They sit there and yabber on endlessly. And, when, and they say the same thing, what? Over and over and over again. Uh, we live in a world of technology and information. The phones that you have right there in your hand is constantly people communicating and and talking and yabbering on and on and on. Very few of them taking the time to think about what they say before they say it. The tongue is a very powerful thing and to tame it is a very huge thing. It's difficult to outline this section of scripture uh, but I've organized it under four truths, and they're there in your notes. First of all, to tame the tongue, we have to recognize that we will be held accountable for what we say. Uh, verses 1 to 2 talks about that. Um, talks about how not many of us should become what? Teachers. Because in so doing, the teachers will incur a stricter judgment. In other words... Uh, when you are in a position where you're talking to somebody and giving them information or teaching them, it's important that you take a step back before you say something because you are basically informing them of stuff that they don't know yet. And what if you inform them of the wrong thing? Can you imagine a maths teacher telling everybody the wrong equations? So they get to the test and what happens? They fail because a teacher didn't do their job properly. And God is saying that if we're going to be responsible to teach people and to guide people through life, we have to understand that you will be held accountable for that. There's, there's a big responsibility in taming the tongue and knowing what it says. Um, can you... Uh, can you think of any opportunities or things that have happened in your life where somebody has told you the wrong information and you've acted on it and it got you in a little bit of trouble or it took you down a path that you didn't want to go down? Anybody think of anything like that? Where somebody's given them the wrong information? Yeah? No? What about you think of anything?
So they give you uh, information and you act on that information, but it may be completely the wrong thing. Even as simple as something as directions. Are there people who give good directions and there are people who give bad directions, right? Uh, I, I uh, stopped at a local service station in New Zealand just recently when we were there uh, looking for something, a hotel. And the person at the service station didn't know. I couldn't understand them for one thing. The New Zealand accent's really rough, right? But I couldn't understand what they're trying to say. The, I got out of the service station. It literally, the hotel was like 200 meters away <laughs> from where we were. And the person couldn't tell me where it was. Because there are people who give bad directions. If you're a person that gives bad directions, guess what? James is saying, don't give directions. That's what he's basically saying. He's saying, if you're a person that can't lead people, that can't give them information that's clear and easy for them to understand and act on, he's saying, don't do it at all. That's how you tame the tongue. We have to realize the tongue has great power. Whatever you say about somebody else, whatever you say to give people direction, whether it's in life or advice or whether it's getting down the street, if you don't do that well, don't do it or get better at it. That's what he's saying. He needs, he needs for us to understand that uh, to tame the tongue, we have to recognize that what we say is important and it, it will direct people's lives. And if we're not understanding that, that's the first step, really, to understanding how powerful your words are. Have you ever said something to somebody that changed the course of their life? You have. I almost guarantee, whether you understand or realize it or not, somebody's made an important decision in their life based on what you said to them. That's a lot of responsibility, isn't it? That's a lot of responsibility. We need to take that seriously. We need to understand that before we speak, we need to make sure that our whatever we say is, is good stuff. It's the right stuff. Rather than just yammering on and on and on. And people reacting to all that. We need to understand that when we talk to people, they're giving a lot of attention to what we're saying. James' point is that man should not take on the role of a teacher or somebody who guides somebody unless, unless they understand that responsibility, unless they understand what's at stake. There's a lot of, it's a lot of uh, things at stake. One way to tame the tongue is to recognize that we will all be held accountable for our speech. Matthew 12, I'm not going to read it. Matthew 12, 36 to 37, if you want to make that note in your notes. Matthew 12, 36 to 37, uh, talks about how our words, the things that we say, will either justify us or condemn us. That's a heavy thought. So that might help you when you're, you're 
taking a step back and going, well, what do I say? It might help you to understand that you'll be held accountable for what you say, the right stuff and the wrong stuff. So you need to, to, to take that seriously. James is teaching us that our works reveal where our faith is, our belief is. Our words either validate that, that we're true believers, that we have real good faith in God, or that we don't know God. There's a lot of people that say they believe in God, and they say that they uh, have faith in God, but it doesn't ring true when you listen to their words and what they say. And so James wants all of that to match up. And just like we talked about last week, when our faith and our works come together, it's quite dynamic. It's quite a beautiful thing when that happens. So number two, to tame the tongue, we must recognize that it's, it has much power for good and for evil. Uh, verses 3 through 5, it talks about how uh, the tongue is small, but it's mighty. Um, it gives us two illustrations. What's the two illustrations? The two pictures. First, he says... We put the bits in the mouths of horses, big giant animals, and that little small bit does what? That's right. It directs where they go. Um, and it makes sure that that little bitty thing, you know, it, there's a little bit of pain involved in that. Do you know that? You know what bits are, right? a little bit of pain in the mouth of the horses in the beginning when they're first put those bits in their mouth and that's that's that turning of direction oh it's uncomfortable so I'm going to turn this way oh it's uncomfortable so I'm going to turn that way um, and that's kind of how it is for us uh, learning how to tame our tongue can be a little bit uncomfortable at first it's not all that pleasant sometimes we're going to make mistakes but just like that small bit in the mouth of that horse, we can direct our direction by this little thing in our mouths. Um, I come from a, a very rural area, and I haven't seen too much of this here in Australia, but um, there's a big mule festival in Missouri where I grew up. And uh, there's this competition at this festival where they have these large teams of mules. And these mules might be uh, 26 to 30 mules all teamed up together. So pairs of 15. That's a long. And they do these, uh, they go through these like little obstacle courses with these giant, if you haven't seen it, it's on YouTube. You can, you can do a, a thing. But it's these, it's these huge, like huge trains of mules where they're all kind of hooked together and they are controlled by these little bitty, it's like this huge train of animals and they're all guided by those little bits it's in their mouths. So maybe that will help you when you understand that our tongues can be used to actually direct where your life goes and, and whether you go towards good or whether you go towards evil, it's dependent on that one little bitty, one little bitty bit. Something that you might understand more since we're on the coast is his next illustration. He talks about the rudder of a ship. 
Have you ever seen a dry dock ship down at Newcastle Harbor? Uh, when you look at the dry dock and you see the little rudder in the back, it's very tiny in comparison, especially the big coal ships. It's not very big, is it? It's uh, literally the size of a, of a man, maybe a six or seven foot man. Uh, and it directs this huge, huge ship. And we understand how that can be used for good. Oh, and in Newcastle, we understand how it can be <laughs> used for bad, right? Because we've had the Pasha Boca back in 07. We moved to Australia that very week. We got here Wednesday. I think the Pasha Boca storm came that weekend. And then the, the ship washed ashore that weekend, I believe. That was our first weekend in Australia. Uh, we saw this huge ship, you know, come into Nobby's Beach. And I remember uh, getting in the, the car line to go see it. Everybody else, did you go see it? Yeah, it's like an hour wait to go see this huge ship on the on the beach. Um, but it, it helps us see and picture just how powerful our tongue can be. The, the idea that uh, if the winds are too, too strong, if, if things uh, go wrong, you know, it, those little, this little thing that controls everything can really be overcome, and it's the same in your life. Um, this little tongue can direct your path, either, either for the good or for the evil. Um, when you look in uh, Proverbs, it talks about the power of our words. Proverbs has many references to the tongue. For example, Proverbs 16.24 says, Pleasant words are a honeycomb sweet to the soul, and healing to the bones. Um, have you ever had somebody that have come along in your life when something was going really poorly and they had just the right thing to say? It's pretty powerful, isn't it? Anybody think of something that, that has happened in their life that they'd like to share? Just, just one little uh, phrase or one little thing where somebody's come along in your life and, you, and they just knew exactly the words that were comforting or challenging those things anybody And it takes the weight right off of you, doesn't it? Yeah. It's good. Anybody else have anything that has happened like that to them that just soothes your soul? It's like taking a spoonful of honey, right? Just like the scripture says. Those rightly said words can really, really go a long ways. Not only that, but I visit people in the hospital sometimes who are, who are go, doing it really tough. Sometimes I don't say anything. Can I pray for you? Sometimes it's just that simple. That comforting voice of being able to come alongside of somebody when they need to hear something the most and be that, be that voice. That's what Proverbs is talking about here. Pleasant words are honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. Sometimes those little words make all the difference. All the difference. James wants us to recognize how powerful 
our words are for good and for evil. He wants us to recognize the inordinate power of the tongue so that we start to use it more carefully because sometimes we just we forget and our our tongues just kind of run away with with things and it can be a real evil. Number 3 says to tame the tongue we must recognize that it is humanly untamable it's a humanly untamable source of evil. He he describes it. He says it's from the pit, from the pit of hell. And in verses um 5 second half of 5 all the way to 8 he he paints this picture. He uses these word pictures. He says it's like a forest fire. Right? It's like a uh, uh, forest fire and tamed animals. It says all, is, all it takes is one tossed cigarette. And we understand that here. We have bushfires all the time. Right? One little cigarette on the side of the road and whew. So he wants us to really get that picture in our heads that that's what the tongue is like. It's like that one little thing that can be said. In the same way that you know, you've had people in your life that said that one thing that's been really, really soothing to your soul. In the same way, you've probably had people in your life that have come along and said the exact wrong thing at the exact most terrible time. And it's really discouraged you. And it's really sent you in another, another path that you didn't want to go. That's how powerful the tongue is. It's like a forest fire. It says, and the tongue is a fire. The very world, world of iniquity. The tongue is set among its members. It defiles the entire body. Sets on fire the course of your life. He's not saying it's that way all the time. But he says, in, when the tongue goes bad, it goes really bad. And I'm sure you've experienced that or seen that. The example. Either in your own lives or in the lives of others. Under control, fire is useful, right? We do controlled burns. Uh, we need to get, get rid of certain things. Uh, we use fire to do that. Uh, there's underbrush everywhere. You see control burns, people going in and getting rid of that underbrush so that everybody can be safe. Okay, fire is good in the right hands, but it can what? Destroy very quickly, can get out of control. And so we need to make sure that we're doing that with our tongue. We're controlling our tongue. The point is clear. The tongue is deadly. It's a powerful source of evil. It taints every part of our being. Uh, if we don't use our tongues with great caution, it can, it can really get out of hand. It's like a spiritual arsonist. You know, you can go around and you can uh, uh, inflict a lot of pain and suffering into the lives of people if you're not using your tongue well. Uh, so be careful. Be careful with it. Because it can be an untamable source of evil. Uh, most Christians, you know, we, we, we talk about the big deadly sins. We talk about things like adultery or abuse or murder. Um, and we don't talk a lot about those other sins that can do just as much damage like, what, gossip, slander, deceit, half-truths. Sarcasm, put-downs, all of those things can really hurt, right? I can see it in your faces. You've experienced it. I can see that you have been victims of this, this tongue, this fire that can get out of hand. Um, 
I would hazard a guess that probably the tongue has probably done more hurt in our world over time than almost any other thing because of it gets so out of control. James recognizes this. He has this knack of being able to understand these little things in our lives that can get out of control and really ruin the situation. James goes on. He uses this analogy from the animal world. Have you ever been to SeaWorld? Who's been to SeaWorld? There's one up in uh, Brisbane, right? Or uh, what's it called? Gold Coast. Yeah, you've been up there. You've seen the trained dolphins and the seals. Uh, you've seen at the circus, you've seen the trained elephants, right? The lions and the tigers and the bears. Oh, my. Right. Uh, James says you we've been able to, to, to train all those animals, and yet there's one thing that's harder to train, and that's the what? Our speech. Our speech. So we have to work really hard at it, is what he's saying. Um, we can't just take it for granted. We have to work at it. Um, he doesn't say the tang, the tongue, the tang. Uh, the tongue is untamable. He just says it's humanly untamable. What do you think he means by that? We can't do it on our own. So good. So you get 40 points for that. That's right. We can't do it on our own. We have to uh, join in with God and the Holy Spirit that works within our hearts. And he, we have to use that to help us. It's not something that we can just do on our own because we'll fail over and over again. Uh, when the Holy Spirit or when God controls your heart on a daily basis, there's these things that start becoming a part of our lives. We call them the fruits of the Spirit. Things like love, things like kindness, patience, gentleness, self-control. All of those things, when those begin to be a part of our lives, guess what? The way we speak starts to change. When the Holy Spirit starts to work in our heart and gives us kindness, guess what starts to happen? We start to speak more kind. Kindly. Thank you. When the Spirit starts to work in our hearts and starts giving us love and we grow in that, then our speech starts being seasoned with that love. Do you see how that works? So we can't do it on our own. We can't tame the tongue on our own. It has to be a, a work of partnership with God as we allow him to work in our hearts and in our life. Um, taking thought, or taking captive of every thought, taking captive every word, and realizing that, that we, can, we can, in partnership, tame our tongue. Last one. To tame the tongue, we have to recognize that its inconsistencies are rooted in its source. Well, what does that mean? Verses 9 to 12. James points out a gross inconsistency that he no doubt has observed. Um, he talks about this idea that all of us know about. It's this idea that Christians say, praise the Lord in one breath, but in the next breath, 
they say evil things about another person. There's this idea of inconsistency. This idea of, yeah, we praise the Lord on Sunday, but we have the filthiest mouth about and, and talk about bad about others through the week. He's noticed this. And so he wants to bring that to our attention. He's saying uh, to tame the tongue, we have to address this issue in our life. Um, you know, this idea that we sit in church singing songs to God, and no sooner do we get out the door than we whisper, did you see so-and-so? Or, um, you know, that person makes me sick. Or, you know, she's such a, a know-it-all or a hypocrite. Um, did you see what she did? James gets very direct in this point, actually. James, James chapter 3, verse 10. If we look at that, uh, the second half of verse 10. It says, my brethren, these things ought not to be this way. <laughs> he basically says, stop it. Right? He's saying, don't do this. Um, you can't do this as a Christian. Um, so if you have this problem in your life today, James is saying, stop it. Get rid of it. Allow, Ask God to help you work on this in your life. So if you have this idea of well, your mouth is different um, uh, one day than it is the next, then you need to stop that and and really begin to work that out. Um, have you ever thought about how terribly embarrassing life would be if there were a direct open line between your thoughts and your mouth? <laughs> you ever thought about there's no, there's a disconnect there, and so there's no filter at all. Maybe you know people who have that. There are people out there who have that that issue, right? But how embarrassing would that be if we just said whatever was on our mind? We just said what what was there. You know, if you just blurted it out loud wherever you were thinking, instead of being polite and saying, I'm pleased to meet you, outcomes, I couldn't care less about meeting you today. <laughs> You know, or uh, um, after listening to someone drone on and on about something, instead of said saying, yes, that's a very, very interesting, you blurt out, how can I get away from this person? They're boring me. This is the idea. I'm not suggesting that we should abandon politeness um, and become brutally blunt with people. That's not what I'm suggesting. I'm only pointing out that even if you control your tongue, it's probably not necessarily a tongue problem. It's a what problem? It's a heart problem. So rather than looking at taming your tongue as taming your tongue, maybe we ought to look at it as changing our heart and how we look at people. Rather than looking at them how they affect us, maybe start looking at them as God looks at them. What does he see? Does he see some boring person that's droning on and on about something that we could care less about? No, God wants to hear from them. He wants to see what kind of person they are. He wants to be in relationship with them. Whether we want to or not, we are God's advocates. We are his missionaries in this world, and we have to understand that we need to start looking at people the way he looks at them. Ephesians 4.29 uh, says, Let no unwholesome 
word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word that is good for the encouragement according to the need of the moment, so that it will give grace to those who hear. How beautiful would it be if that's how we spoke? Let me read that one more time. Let no unwholesome, literally that word unwholesome means rotten or putrid. Okay, it's, it's basically saying, let no rotten words come out of our mouth, but only words that are good, good for encouraging and loving for the need of the moment so that it will give grace to those who hear. I remember, and I'll just share this story to finish up. I was uh, managing at Woolies over in Mayfield. Uh, they should have given us extra pay to work there because uh, a lot of interesting things happened in Woolies at Mayfield. Um, and if you ever want to, uh, you can look that up on YouTube, and there's a lot of funny videos taken from that store, actually. Um, but I was in there. I was uh, walking down the drink aisle, looking what drinks needed to be filled, and I'm walking down the aisle, and down comes the aisle. This lady, you could tell she was she was extremely mad, and she was just walking towards me like my mother used to walk towards me when I was in trouble, right? And she started yelling like ten meters away at me. I can't do. I can't find the drinks I want. I got on and on a lot of um, nasty and filthy language. Just very, very, she, she got so upset that the saliva in her mouth, it was uncontrollable. And, and it was spitting out of her mouth all along the side of my coat. And I could see the dribble coming down one. I was going. So my reaction, my first reaction was, man, I am going to give it to this lady. Right, she kept going on. I was just looking for a chance to come out with what you know. My, you know, my I had I was forming the words in my head. I was like, oh, I'm gonna give it to this lady. She has no idea what's coming to her. You know, I'm gonna get her kicked out of this store. I'm gonna call security. We're gonna we're gonna usher her out. The longer she went, the more my heart started to soften. And somehow God was speaking to me. And he kept saying, be nice. I was going, no, <laughs> don't want to be nice. And he was going, you have a chance to make a difference here. Be nice. And so I said, okay. She gets done. And I said these words, are you okay? That's all I could think of to say. And when I said those words, she burst into tears. And instead of yelling at me and screaming at me, she grabbed me, <laughs> hugged me, put her head on my shoulder, and just bawled. And I was like, this is even more uncomfortable than the spitting part. <laughs> and I said, what's going on? She went and started telling me her story. Her husband had passed away two weeks ago of cancer. Her mother 
had just passed away two weeks later. And she was trying to organize two funerals in two weeks. And she couldn't find the dang drinks that she wanted that were on special last week but weren't on special this week. Because she had two funerals to plan and two meals to plan and she couldn't afford to pay full price for something. She couldn't find them and she just had too much. And so I ushered her over to where we had some drinks that were on special and I got me and another guy. We got her all the drinks that she wanted, took them out to her car and we were able to make a tiny little difference in her life but only because in that moment I allowed God to tame my tongue and to react differently had I reacted the other way I would have never known her story I would have never been able to to, to understand where she was coming from um, and it would have been a loss uh, I think we lose a lot. We lose a lot of opportunities because of our tongue. And so I would just encourage you um, very practically, uh, in a very practical way this week, um, I don't know if you keep little notebooks. I don't even know if people write anything anymore. But there is there is on your phone, there's a app called List. Uh, if you want to use that app, you can. If you want to use a little notebook, you can. I would just encourage you, to monitor your conversations for the next couple of days. Just take that notebook and just write down. And I don't, I'm not asking you to adjust what you normally would say. I'm just asking you to be confronted with what you say, to, to think about the things that you say. Because it can make a huge difference. The tongue is very powerful. Make a huge difference to your life and to the lives of others around you. And I'd love for you to monitor your conversations Note it on a piece of paper. Every time you say something positive, write it down. Every time you say something negative, write it down. And then after a couple of days, look at it. I think you'll be very surprised at what you see. I think you'll be very surprised at how that works. Don't try and silence what you say. Just say what you would normally say and write it down. And you'll, you'll get an understanding of areas where you might need to adjust. You might find that there are certain people that bring out the worst in your tongue. You might find that there are certain situations in your week that bring out the worst. Maybe your tongue's different at work than it is at home. Maybe it's different. Maybe it's worse at home than it is at work. So you need to to think to really map out those areas where you need to concentrate on looking more closely. Where's where is it? I used to, and to be quite honest. I used to have a, a nasty mouth when I worked in the secular job situation um, because I just caught it. You know, you're in a situation where a lot of people are using foul language and you just go boom, boom, boom. Never would say those kind of things at home many years ago, but you kind of get into this habit, right? Maybe I don't do that at all anymore, but it took effort. It took effort for me to do that, me working with God to try and help my tongue to become better. I'm just encouraging you maybe to take some, some action steps this week about that. Um, I think it will change your life. I think God will really bless you for that work and that effort.
Um, and I know he'll, he wants to work with you on it. I know he wants to help you. Um, or James wouldn't have talked about it. You know, it's, it's obviously a, a, a sore spot uh, in, our, in our lives, and we need to, to adjust. So love you guys. Um, and I love that you uh, are taking these, these uh, encouragements seriously in your life, and, and you're, you're making some steps towards those things. So let me pray, and then uh, we'll do some uh, snacking. Hey, God, thank you for today. Um, Lord, we ask specifically that you give us um, time and space in our week to be able to um, address our tongue. Um, we don't want to be those kind of people that uh, we praise you on Sunday, but our speech is totally different of other places. We don't want to be those people. So help us, uh, guide us, direct us. Uh, really use your Holy Spirit in our hearts to uh, help us to get better at that. Um, so convict us. Help us when we uh, take our notes about the things that we're saying this week. Help, help us to really identify areas through the week that we need to work on. And we know that you're going to be there right alongside of us to help us. So uh, thank you for your guidance today. Thank you for James and the way that he uh, sees things so simply and help us, helps us to understand them clearly. So thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.